In Galatians chapter 6, amen, Brother Tim, that's the New Testament. Amen. And for, for some of you, uh, that's on page, uh, amen, amen. We are a word church, and we're grateful that God has put us in a position where we are making disciples that make disciples through the life-changing word. Verse 7 in Galatians chapter 6, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not faint, if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Amen. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we bless you and we thank you for all that our ears have heard. We thank you for Sister Teresa, how she ministered to us today, ushering us into your very presence through song. Now, God, take this word. Minister to our hearts as only you can. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm normally uh, tied into preaching series around particular topics that God has placed on my heart. But for the last three weeks, God has been directing me, not randomly, but very pointedly to talk about the topics that we've covered in the past three weeks. We talked about avoiding uh, isolation, stop the drift, stop the drift. Do not forsake the assembling together of yourselves as a manner of some. And then on last week, we talked about pressing pause, pressing pause, uh, how Jesus took time to get alone, alone with God and after having spent time with God, he received his marching orders. And Jesus never lost sense of his divine purpose because he knew how to press pause. Today we want to talk about dealing with exhaustion, weariness, uh, being tapped out. I was interested in the article that I read about a group of travelers who were preparing to return to New York City on uh, JetBlue, on their JetBlue flight. And as they were lining up to board the plane, they were, to their surprise, invited into an exchange between the pilots and the boarding crew that was giving directions to the passengers planning to get on board. Pilots and the boarding crew didn't realize that what was being said between them was on loudspeaker. So the pilots are saying, we're not opening the door. No one's getting on this plane. I don't care if it's 300 people. First class, middle class, they ain't getting on this plane. Whatever they pay, we aren't flying another mile. We are exhausted. And the boarding staff basically pleaded 
with the pilots. Just one more flight. These people have been waiting for hours. They paid their money. They signed the contract. You are obligated to meet their request because they rightfully are scheduled for this flight. Pilots said, ain't happening. Now, they didn't use that kind of English, but they, they no, nope, they didn't. So eventually, the flight was canceled, and the cause was pilot exhaustion. I never heard that one before. I don't know about you, but if I heard pilots saying they're too tired to fly, I'd be all right with that. I just have to stay a little longer. At least I get to live to fight another day. But some folks were furious that the pilots would have the audacity to be so insensitive and not allow them to board the plane and to make that additional sacrifice to fly them back into New York. How many of you know that most major plane crashes and automobile accidents are the result of human error, mainly fatigue and exhaustion? Now, all of us, if we live long enough, have experienced mental, emotional, and physical exhaustion. Am I right about it? And we understand that when you get tired, some of us aren't easy to get along with. Some of us more than others. And so you just need to let the bear rest. Let the baby rest. Let, and so we understand the need for rest. Now, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, the Apostle Paul addresses a more subtle and potentially devastating kind of tiredness, weariness, fatigue. Here's what he says. He said, let, let, let us not grow weary, tired, exhausted, tapped out while doing good. For in due season you shall reap if you do not faint. I like the old King James, do not faint, do not faint. Now the type of exhaustion that the Apostle Paul speaks about is the type of exhaustion that kills marriages, destroys ministries, the kind that will take the air out of the room. Everybody's excited and enthusiastic, and you bring somebody in, and they have a flat tire spiritually. They will literally just, just bring that excitement down to a level where all of that enthusiasm and momentum is gone. Maybe you can identify with this. Have you had difficulty spending time in the Bible? You just don't feel like reading your Bible. You hear about the first 15 minutes of prayer, but that does nothing to excite you. You have no interest in adding another thing to your schedule. Uh, you hear at church, but you don't have to be. It, it, you can take it or leave it now. The, the fire that you once had, for the things of the Lord have waned. And now 
it's rare when you even see an ember. The Apostle Paul is talking about a weariness that has an impact on everything that you do. Because when you become spiritually tired, it is possible to continue to work physically in a way that people have no idea that you're about to flame out. You already got your bags packed. You already signed that this marriage is going to end. You've already decided that you're not coming back to church. But you're, you're serving in your ministry because you're dutiful. You, 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 that's, what you, that's what dutiful Christians do. But you're spiritually burned out. Here, here's the interesting thing. Jesus talks about this type of conflict between how we can mistake physical activity in the church and religious activity and churchianity, even when we're having our devotions and we're praying, but we get nothing out of it. When he speaks of the church at Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, uh, Jesus rebukes the church of Ephesus for serving him physically, doing ministry with their gifts and talents while they were spiritually empty. They were operating in church work empty. Listen to what he says. He said, I know your deeds. You, you, you hard, your, your, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but they're not, and have found them false and have per persevered and endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. You haven't tapped out on your effort. You, you stand against false doctrine. You're sound in your teaching. Uh, you are willing to be persecuted for my name's sake. You don't have a problem letting the world know that you belong to me. But Jesus said, I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had first. You have forsaken your first love. So here they are serving in the church, having church for Jesus with no passion in their heart for the Lord. They say people who, are, who love ministry, but they don't love the Christ they're ministering for. And so when I talk about spiritual exhaustion, I'm not talking about people who aren't coming to church, who don't read their Bible, who don't know how to pray, who don't sound persuasive when they're talking about salvation, etc. I'm talking about those Christians who are simply going through the motions and doing what's expected of them, but you have no connection with the unction and the demonstration. Paul says, we didn't come to you with the persuasion of speech, but we came to you in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. We came to you on fire for God because of the presence in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is at work, you can be physically tired. You can be weary. And Jesus said, the flesh is weak. You can be weary, but the Spirit, that's why, why, why Elijah says, he said that they that wait upon the Lord shall have renewed strength. How are you going to have renewed strength when you're tired? He said, because when the spirit is at work as you are resting in the Lord and that connection is there, he says, you'll walk and you won't get weary. You'll run and you won't get tired. The spirit of God can help you to overcome 
physical, mental, and emotional tiredness. But when you are operating without the spirit, no matter what you do, or how many people give you accolades and pat you on the back, the Bible says, in our flesh, it is impossible to please God. Someone has said that if the Holy Spirit was taken out of the world, 95% of what goes on in most churches would not be impacted at all. And so he, he, he says, don't get weary. I'm already tired. I was tired before I came to church. Now, we were, he didn't say, he says, here's, now you may be tired, but he says, don't get so tired that you quit. You will get tired when you serve the Lord. But he said, don't get weary in doing what is right. Because if you don't get weary, if you don't quit, you don't raise up the white flag. He said, in due season, you shall reap a harvest, a blessing. Now, let me share with you two quick things. I'll talk about the context of this passage. So it won't seem like I'm pulling things that we, we, we're very familiar with the scripture that says, uh, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever we sow, that shall we also reap. And we pull those verses out without putting them in the context that they're being used. And Paul is talking about reaping and harvesting, harvesting from doing good, empowered by the spirit of God and trying to do good but operating in the flesh or doing wrong as you're operating in the flesh. He says, when you operate in the flesh of the flesh, you shall reap corruption. When you operate in the spirit, there's another kind of reward, eternal life, okay? So, but he's, he's talking about reaping and uh, uh, sowing and reaping. So stay with me. And the reaping and sowing is not in a, in a physical ground in a way that a farmer uh, sows a seed and he expects a harvest. And understand this, whatever you sow, that's what you will harvest. You're not going to get back what you haven't sown. Amen? And that's where we get messed up. We want what we haven't sown. And so, so, so he's talking about reaping and harvesting. And he says, in the areas of ministry, of doing what God considers well doing, he gives four specific ways that we should serve. First, he says in verse 1 of chapter 6, he says, we should be doing good as it relates to restoring Christians who have been overtaken with sin. He said, you who are spiritual, restore them. And he said, don't, don't, get, don't get callous about it. You need to do it in a certain way. Do it in gentleness, lest you find your own self overtaken. Because what happened to them? Now watch this, restoring rebellious, falling Christians is hard work. You can get weary in well-doing when you're trying to help stiff-necked, unrepentant people. Who are you? You ain't never sinned, last I know. So anyway, so, so the first area, restoring those who fall. Then he says in verses 2 through 5, he says, a second way that you can do well and it can cause you to be tapped out, exhausted, is bearing one another's burdens, helping people that are overwhelmed by life. 
Have you ever tried that one? <laughs> When's the last time somebody said, I'm going to sign up to help people who are overwhelmed, who can't get it together? <laughs> sign me up. I want to be on that ministry. That can wear you out. And then added to restoring the fallen and bearing the burdens of others, he says, and bear your own. Now, we got our own stuff. You ever get tired of being sick and tired of yourself? I have cried over myself. I, I didn't eat that cake again. Oh, my goodness. I didn't leave none for nobody. I just lost my mind. I didn't have to eat all four. So bearing your own burdens, bearing the burdens of others, and restoring those who have fallen. And then he says in verse 10, and he says, do good to all men and especially to the household of God. So added to restoring fallen people, helping people who are burdened, who are overwhelmed, and your own stuff that overwhelms you. Now he says, now, bless everybody. But don't get weary. <laughs> don't get weary in well-doing. Let me, let me share what I, what, what I believe it means to be spiritually exhausted. I ain't talking about being exhausted because you've been up all night playing video games, clubbing, you know, hanging out with the boys, uh, binge watching your favorite TV, and then you, you got to go to church to do your ministry. And, you, you, and, you, and now you come to church angry because you can't find your Bible. But I want to show you two sides of the coin. Now, I'm using this. I don't have my regular cup. I don't know where my... So, but thank you, Minister Will. He hooked me up. Mm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Mm. So, two sides to the same coin. There's spiritual exhaustion... That is positive. Really? You can get tapped out and, well, listen to this. When the religious leader asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? In Matthew chapter 22, 37, verses 37 through 39, Jesus replied, love God with a little bit of your heart, a little bit of your mind, a little bit of your soul. And that's the first and the greatest commandment. No, no, he said, love God with every fiber of your being, completely, totally, passionately, sell out to God. Love God so hard and so intentionally that you be like Paul. Paul said, I am pressing towards the mark of I am exhausted. I'm, 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 I'm stretching myself so that I can show my love for God by what I do. And so the point of that verse is you should love God to the point of exhaustion. That you have no, that, that every single day that the Holy Spirit's power, that God avails to all of us, that you should use every, you, you should go to bed every night having exhausted every part of the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given you. It should, none, none of the Holy Spirit's power should go to waste. So that when you die, 
When the Bible says, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, for they what? They re we rest when we get to heaven. That you have served the Lord in such a way that you've exhausted yourself that when you get into heaven, you're crossing the ticker tape. You're running through the, that, 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 that tape, and you're literally falling into the arms of the Lord with nothing left. Then you can rest from your labors, and your rewards will follow you. So there's a positive exhaustion. You ought to be tired. There ought to be some sweat equity. You ought to have some skin in the game when it comes to serving the Lord. But there's a negative side of that same coin. Are you with me? The negative side of spiritual fatigue is spiritual burnout that occurs when you are depleted from the fresh and active renewing of the Holy Spirit that enables you to serve God with passion According to, according to the purpose that God has called you. Let, let, me, let, me, let me read that and slow down. Let me write this, write this down if you can. The negative side of spiritual fatigue or tiredness is spiritual burnout occurs when you are depleted of, your, of the fresh, active renewing, refilling, that's another word, of the Holy Spirit that enables you to serve God with passion and purpose over a period of time. So if you find yourself lacking passion to serve God and you aren't operating within the purpose of, your, of God in such a way that what happens when you're in the will of God, there should be contentment. And if, if, if you don't have this contentment and the passion for God to do his purpose over a period of time, you're tapped out. You're on, you're on E spiritually. You're on E spiritually. And it's a dangerous thing. Now, here's what Jesus did. Oh, this, this is powerful. When you get a chance, in Luke chapter 8, verses 45 through 47, the Bible says there was a woman who was born, who, who, had, a, who had an issue of blood, who, had, who was hemorrhaging for 12 years. She had female problems. There was no medical answer for her chronic bleeding. She had maxed out all of her resources, no money, no for husband, no males taking care of. She was broke. But she heard that Jesus was stopping by. By the time she arrived, there was a crowd. I can't but imagine that this woman, because of her blood issue, she couldn't have been very strong. She must have been frail, but she came intending to see Jesus. She was not strong enough to push against the men away, to push her way through the crowd. But the Bible says that she got down. She obviously got down on her knees because the scripture says by the time she got to Jesus, I don't know how many people stepped on her hand. I don't, care. I don't know how much dust got in her face. I don't know how many times she got pushed back. I don't know what she had to go through. But by the time she reached out to Jesus, all she could do was touch the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, he says, and the Bible says she was instantly, immediately healed. And then Jesus says, oh, stop the presses. Hold it. Somebody touched me. 
And people said, what, what you mean, Jesus? You see this throng of people? You see this mob? You see all these people? They're pressing up against you. What do you mean that some, the Bible said, but Jesus perceived that power had left him. And the woman discerned that Jesus knew it was her. And so she said, Jesus, I touched you, and I'm healed. And then Christ says, not only are you healed, now you're whole. You got physical healing. Now I'm giving you spiritual healing. So you saved. But Christ had sense enough to understand that when you're ministering, when you're doing good, when you're helping people that are burdened, when you're dealing with your own mess, when you're restoring people that have fallen, when you're doing good to all those in the church and outside the church, something happens. Power leaves you. Jesus didn't move forward until there was a restoration, a replenishing. And the replenishing was... I'm healed. That at that station that the work of God was, God was working in that situation, allowed Christ to get what he gave, gave out. He got it back. In other words, if you don't get what you've given and you keep giving but not getting replenished, eventually you're going to become spiritually exhausted, spiritually fatigued. Elijah, on the other hand, <laughs> He, for three and a half years, everything that he prayed for, God did it. It didn't rain for three and a half years. The Lord provided food for him through bird. Uh, he, had, uh, he had Uber services and, and DoorDash. The, the birds brought him food. And then the widow from Zarephath uh, gave him bread and etc. And then finally, God told Elijah to, to go to Mount Carmel. The rain came, the fire came down, the prophets were killed. And then Jezebel said, you know what? I'm about to hurt you. You on my mad list. And so what Elijah didn't realize that during those three and a half years, he did not discern that power had left him. You don't read anywhere where Elijah was being fed by interaction with others. And so what happens to Elijah, because he didn't acknowledge that power, that virtue had left him, he literally had a spiritual blowout. He quit the ministry. I ain't going back to church. I ain't doing no more preaching. In fact, God, you can kill me. Christians, when you're, when you're spiritually wiped out and exhausted and tapped out, you can become so depressed that you're suicidal. He said, Lord, kill me. We scratch our heads when we find people who don't want, I ain't going back to church. I don't know how many people I see at the end of their lives, and I say, well, where do you go to church? I don't go to anybody's church. And you can just hear the anger. You can hear the disappointment. And they start telling you how they served in their church. And these guys, what happened? They had a blowout. And so on the negative side of being spiritually exhausted is that you're operating on empty. You're not being replenished in the spirit. And I want you to know that the, dy- the, the dynamic ministry does not occur until we are literally like the glove with God's hand operating through us. And some Christians never know that. 
that when you are linked to the Spirit and he's freshly filling you, that something is released when you're talking to people. Something I heard somebody say, when you pray, I feel God. I, I'm just praying. How do they feel God? It's because the Spirit of God is being released through the prayer. I'm not content with just praying. I'm not content with just preaching. I want the demonstration, the power, the unction, the Holy Ghost to be flowing through me so that you can sense the presence of God. So we don't want to be on the negative side of this. Now let me share some reasons why we become spiritually weary and well-doing. The first is, write this down, spiritually Im- spiritual immaturity caused by biblical ignorance. We watching these preachers on TV talking about, send me this, send me that, I'll send you oil, I'll send you a rag, a cloth, <laughs> give me your money, give me your rent money, and I'll make sure that you get a better house. You don't even live in the house. You're living out of your car. How are you going to give you a better house? So spiritual immaturity caused by This is what the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Write this down. He says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning fiery tests, which, which come to test you or try you as though some strange thing has happened. The Lord says, don't be shocked that you go through for Christ. When you're immature, you don't think, I used to think, when I get saved, I'll never struggle, I'll never have, I'll never get this, I'll never get that. By his stripes, I'm healed. Christians got COVID too. And some of them are not with us today because they took the position, I'm saved, I ain't getting no vaccine, fine if you choose not to, but understand that you can get COVID even though you saved and vaccinated. <laughs> so spiritual immaturity can cause you to become spiritually exhausted because it wasn't supposed to come out. Let me, let me, let me run on. Signing up for ministries when you lack the anointing to supernaturally serve. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 through 22. He says, there are many members, but each member has a specific function. So I may stand up here and say, we need, we definitely need somebody to do a lot of things here at the church. But that don't mean you're supposed to sign up for it. Remember Uzzah? In 2 Samuel chapter 6, David volunteered Uzzah in Ohio for, for, for handling the Ark of the Covenant. That wasn't a part of their anointing, their gifting, their calling. That was the Levite's job. That was the deacon's job. The deacons weren't on, were unavailable. So they, oh, come here, you guys, you come around. And so Uzzah is doing what the king told him to do, not the king of kings, and he's moving the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark begins to tilt over, and he just touches it. And the Bible says that God killed Uzzah that day. Now, God may not kill you for touching ministries that you were never, you ain't been called to preach. Just sit down and learn something. <laughs> Turn your little uh, 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 live stream off. 
Get, get your face from in front of the camera. You're doing harm to the body of Christ with this foolishness. Everybody's licensed. Everybody's ordained. If you tried to work on your job the way we try to call ourselves preachers and apostles and bishops and what we're going to call ourselves starry crowns, and whatever we're going to call ourselves, you would never get hired because you've got to be trained. And then after you go through the training, you interviewed and they clear you and you got to do uh, 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 police checks and uh, sexual abuse checks. You gotta, they're not just going to hire you, but you're going to jump up and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this in the house. No, no, no. You signed up for something God never called you to do. And now you're touching what can kill you. And so that's why you want to know how to hear God's voice for yourself. Serve somewhere. But if you're the toe, don't be trying to show me how to, how to see. If you're the mouth, you better speak and stop trying to hear. Self-centeredness will burn you out. And here's how that works. Some people come and they're gifted and they all, they can sing, they can dance, they can do all kinds of stuff to make the church better. But again, God didn't call them to serve. Just because you are a treasurer in the world doesn't make you qualified to be a treasurer in the church. You just come to church and be a dean. I, had, I got a guy, I asked him to help us with our finances. And man, when, we, when I turned that spigot on, I'd never seen him going, well, how much is a toilet paper? How many sheets are people using? I don't think you need to. I, I, oh, my goodness. What in the world? This man is, a, is a, 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 a certified accountant in the world. But in the church, he was a dream killer. Self-centered is you're doing you rather than him. It's about your brand, your following, your platform. You're simply coming to church. What's in it for me? We're more concerned about what people think than what Jesus thinks. We're people pleasers. We come to church to be entertained, to feel good. We don't care about living good. We come to feel good. Christ has nothing to do with our decisions in our daily life. Self-centeredness will burn you out spiritually because as soon as somebody doesn't pat you on the back, as soon as you don't get recognition, as soon as somebody asks you to inconvenience yourself, then you're talking about, I'm quitting. Guess what? If God told you to do something, you better. You, you're not quitting on the church. You're quitting on God. You might be in the unemployment line for a long time. You know some jobs you quit because you were mad, and you ain't never seen that kind of money again because you should have never quit. Sometimes we are self-centered. Sometimes we're striving to do it all because it can't be done without us. Sometimes I used to think, I, tell, I ask people to do something, and then before long I was doing what I asked them to do. And then I saw that they weren't doing it anymore. And somebody said, Pastor, if you ask me to do it, why are you doing it? And if you're the only one can do it, I figured I don't need to do it. So I had to learn to delegate. There's some people who can't work with nobody. So why are they doing all this themselves? Because they, they don't know how to delegate. They're mad, they're fussing, they're burned out because they think they're the only ones. Here's what uh, in, in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15, the Bible says, when your enemies, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall. Nehemiah talking about building walls each to our own work, 
God didn't call us to do everything, but he did call you to do something. And each of us will stand before Almighty God, and you will give an account for what you have done with the gifts and talents God gave you. You're not, somebody that's helping you, they may not do it the same way you do it. But with guidance, they can get it done. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's another reason why we become exhausted in doing good, because we, we're in sin. Somebody say sin. Sin that is unconfessed can cause spiritual exhaustion. In Psalm 32, verses 3 through 5, David said, When I kept silent about my sins, my bones wasted away through my groanings all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was zapped as in the heat of the summer. But when I acknowledge my sin, <laughs> when we are in sin, you will find yourself lacking passion for the things of God. You will find yourself not hearing from the Lord regarding the things that you've been praying for. Here's the last thing. Serving before sitting before his feet. You remember Mary and Martha? Martha got upset with Mary for not coming and helping her in the kitchen and making these collard greens and getting those chitlins right. Jesus didn't eat chitlins. She says, Jesus, don't you see that I'm working and I'm exhausted? Look how loud, large the crowd is. Would you make Mary come and help me? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are concerned about many things, but Mary has chosen the best thing. The best thing to do is to sit at his feet before you try to serve him. That's when we talk about this face-to-face time. Now, let me share some, some ways how to avoid getting exhausted when you're trying to help people be restored, when you're helping people carry their burdens, when you're help carrying your own burdens and also helping others. The first thing is realize that spiritual weariness is normal when you're doing good. Notice he doesn't say, don't get weary. Oh, I'm tired. I, I'm going to church for another month. He didn't say, don't get weary. He said, don't stop doing good when you're tired. If you're saved and you're living for Jesus, you will be weary. Ministry will make you tired. But the flesh, though weak, the spirit. So the fact that you're tired doesn't mean that you're outside the will of God. It doesn't mean that you deserve a break today. It's normal. Paul says we're pressed on every side with trouble, but not crushed and broken. We are perplexed but because we do not know why things are happening the way they do. But we don't give up. We don't quit. We are hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but never knocked out. It is normal to be weary when you're serving Jesus. It wasn't easy for him to carry the cross. It wasn't easy for him to leave heaven's glory and to come down and be born in a manger where there was no room for the king of kings and lord of lords. But he was willing to weary himself and continue to do what's good. So the weariness does not, remember, 
that, that doesn't mean that gives you a reason. Renew your spirit daily. Renew your spirit daily. Some of you aren't going to appreciate this sermon because you ain't tired. You haven't done anything. If it doesn't benefit you, you can't see a reason to do it. But the Lord said, restore, restore. Help people who are overwhelmed with life. Bear your own, don't be running to mama and daddy and that, deal with your own stuff and your own family. Renew your spirit. Well, how do you renew your spirit daily? Through revelation. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, by the renewing of your mind. Spend time in the word every day. That's how you regenerate. That's how you renew your spirit. Here's the second thing. Correction. You need people who can correct you, tell you. The Bible said that the ministry of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verses 9 through 12, is to correct us, to convict us, and to convince us to do what's right. The way you stay fresh and on fire for the Lord is to constantly bring before the Lord things that the Spirit tells you you need correction in. When's the last time you confessed anything? Well, I ain't had to. Well, you need to confess right now because you lying. There was something that you needed to confess. So correction. Here's another way that you renew your spirit. Attestation. Attestation. That's A-T-T-E-S-T-A-I-O-N. There ought to be fruit to prove that the ministry that you're in was God's call for you to serve in. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you, that you may bear fruit and that the fruit you bear will remain. There ought to be attestation. There ought to be proof that when you serve in the Lord, where's the fruit? Whose life have you touched in such a way that fruit is being born through the Holy Spirit? Do you have any fruit to show that you did anything for Jesus? The woman says, Lord, it's me that is healed. That was the attestation to prove to every, every, it wasn't Jesus didn't need it. The people around him needed to know that this woman who had been sick for 12 years was now healed. This person whose family was lost and on their way to hell has now been saved because you allowed your light to shine before them in such a way that they saw the glory of God. And now they are following Jesus. Where is the fruit? What fruit do you have in your life? that says that the Holy Spirit is alive in you? Where is God using you to bless others, to, to restore the lost, to, and to restore those who've fallen, and et cetera? Affirmation is needed. Who is pouring into your life? I didn't realize how empty I was until I got a call from my buddy. He was about to quit. He said he had a prayer meeting. I told him about our prayer meeting morning. He said, I'm going to start too. He had a prayer meeting. Only one person showed up. And the lady was talking about another church. And when I go to that church and they got so much life there, he went home and he told his wife, I've been here for 17 years. I've done nothing, no evidence. And while he was, just before he could get the story out, somebody knocked on the door. And this man said, I've been driving by this, your house for, for months. And the Lord told me to come in. And I had to, he said, he told me to tell you that 
When, he, when you met me five years ago, I was on drugs. My wife had filed for divorce. My kids were, were, were out of control and weren't going to school. But now I'm a supervisor. My wife has her doctorate degree. He went through all these things. My marriage is saying, he said, God has used you. And me, him and him and me just started crying on the phone because he needed that. God knows how to encourage. Who's encouraging you? Who's affirming you in the ministry? That's why when, when I'm finished preaching, I look forward to that praying because I know that power is leaving and it needs to be replenished. We all need affirmation. Somebody, and, and when you get a chance in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, he says, there should be, he says, he says, and let us consider how we may stir one another up towards good deeds. Who's stirring you up? Who's motivating you to try harder, to try something different, to commit to something that you've been praying for but you're afraid to try? Who is speaking into your life? Celebration. We don't know how to celebrate. We, can, we, we, we know how to weep, but we don't know how to celebrate. When God healed that woman, she was able to not only get physical healing but spiritual healing. That was a time to celebrate what God was at work. When God uses you to bless somebody, you ought to celebrate that. Let me finish with this. Remember, you will reap what you sow in verses 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap, etc. Our problem is we don't understand the, the, the way the harvest works. If you're sowing to your flesh, God is not going to in due season reward you with a, bless, with a harvest of blessing. No, you're going to get what you sowed. And so when he talks about reaping what you're sowing is, how are you living? What the, however you're living, that's what you're going to end up getting back. So if you're serving in the ministry and doing in those areas where the Lord said you should serve, you can expect a harvest from that. When you help somebody who's fallen, that's a seed. When you help somebody who's burdened, that's a seed. When you get right in your own life, those are seeds that are being planted. And God said, in due season. Here's a final thing. Remember, oh, rest from intense labor intentionally. Sometimes you need to sit down. Sometimes you need to go somewhere. My wife and I getting ready to roll. It's my birthday coming up. Amen. Amen. Coming up. And uh, our anniversary, don't marry anybody the day after your birthday. Don't do that. I married her the day after my birthday. But anyway, rest from intense labor intentionally. You should have time where you're just chilling. You're just hearing from the Lord. You're going someplace. But that shouldn't be your motive. You're going away to recharge, to return, to do ministry. Uh, that was kind of weak. But praise the Lord. And the final thing I've already mentioned, you will reap what you've sown. You'll reap what you've sown. Stand with me. I've been doing hospice for 18 years. The first time I ever saw somebody die was the first week I went out with another chaplain. I'd never seen anybody breathe their last breath. And I'd been a pastor for 25 years by then. I'd never seen anybody die. Not only did this woman die when I was there, I was holding her hand, singing to her. I was stroking her hair. 
And I was doing that because this woman hadn't slept for three days. She, she had her eyes so fixed that she was determined not to close them because she felt if she closed her eyes, she was going to die. They had a balloon, anything to distract her. They had soft music, nothing worked. They medicated her. She would not go to sleep for three straight days. I didn't know that when I went in there. And I just allow the spirit of God in my inexperience to lead me, to kneel down, hold her hand, and begin to pray and stroke. Next thing I know, her eyes closed. And a peace came over her. And within an hour, she was gone. And her daughter just embraced me. I don't know. I didn't understand. She said, my mom hadn't slept in three days. My mother was terrified. And then when you came in, she wasn't even a Christian. She said, whatever was work, whoever, whatever was working through you worked on my mom so that she died in peace. When I let that woman's hand go, I could have just passed out. That was the, the level of intensity that I was, I didn't realize that. What I, was, what I was even involved in, when, you, when you're dealing with somebody at the end of their life, the, the power, that the virtue that goes out of you, I was just done. I wanted to go home and tell my wife, my wife don't want to hear about nobody dying. I decided to call in. I'm quitting. I can, what happened? I literally felt like a, 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 a wet rag, the power that went out. And then, praise the Lord for experienced social workers and so forth. She, they were able to tell me why that happened. I needed somebody to come after that experience and pour back into me. I needed to know how to reflect when somebody leaves this world and you assisted them in crossing over and you almost like you and them are walking together and you're going over to this other place and then when they get to that next step, you just separate and they go and you can't go any further. That, that happens in the spirit realm. But it exhausted me. And then I thought about what it means to be weary and well-doing when you really connect with people who are broken, when you really connect with people who are fallen, when you really lift people up who are overwhelmed, there's a power that leaves you. If you don't get it replenished, you will wear out, you will burn out. And so if you're here today and you've been involved in that heavy level of ministry as you walk with the Lord, and you're just tired now. You hurt. Whatever has caused you to take a seat on the sideline, I want to encourage you to return to the work. Return to the work because there's nothing like being used by God when the Spirit of the Lord is in control. There's nothing like it. Return to the work and not get weary in doing good. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. Oh God, I pray that you would release in this church a spirit that is willing not to get weary in well-doing. Oh God, release in us a desire to prioritize ministry over our personal interests. Not somebody else. Whatever you called us to do. 
The work doesn't go away because we don't do it. It's still there. And we will give an account. Now, God, strengthen us in this hour of need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.